Welcome back to another episode of Keone Chats. And I apologize for the unexpected extra week of vacation. You know, you can plan things and you can think that everything is going to work out. But in the end, if it does falter or just slip through the cracks, you just got to deal with it. And while it was great to take another week to watch some football or take another week to think about how I want to take the KC Media brand to different perspectives or different levels, I, I missed it. You know, I, I missed it. I missed recording. I missed this whole process. And then I also realized I'm a little rusty. I'm a little, I, I was a little, you know, when I was working on this episode and I was watching myself ask the questions, uh, I was like, I'm not as comfortable as I was prior to this break. So it's always great to have vacation, but then that whole getting back into the swing of it, getting back on that routine, it could take a while. So I'm, uh, you know, it, it was just it was just fun you know, to get back into working on some programs and get back to creating content. And speaking of working on a schedule, you know, I my guest today is August Jefferson, and I do my usual routine of hey, here's a topic sheet of what I want to speak with you about, and it, some you know most of the times it semi sticks with it or semi is guided by it, but you know this conversation. It went to a whole nother direction that I'm extremely happy it did because my goal with this podcast is to try and talk with people that A, I think are doing interesting things with our lives. And for August is that outside of being a University of Oregon alumni, he also is a rapper or hip hop artist. I'm, I'm kind of clumping those two together. But so I listen to his uh, music, which is available on Spotify, iTunes, and also on YouTube. And oh my God, to think that I went to class with this man and he helped me get this degree over my left shoulder uh, from the University of Oregon. It's just like, what? What? So un unfortunately, I didn't ask him about his origins and how he got into to rap, but I think that's okay because he and I just spoke about our anxieties. We, we spoke about how we overthink and how we jump from A to Z while in one foul and one giant leap instead of doing the steps in between to get to that end point. And that was just the part that really sticks with me because I knew August as such a smart guy that is very friendly and very open um you know about his life but i never got him to open up that much and when i got him to open up that much made me realize i should have hung out with this guy much more than i did for during school so you know after the interview i even texted him saying like dude thank you so much for being so open and he actually revealed something that he never talked about on air so i'm not gonna say what it is but um i was just i was blown away that he was he was open and okay with mentioning that to on my podcast where in my show where it will go to all these platforms it will also be on video and you know he, he he's owning it he's owning all of his uh, anxieties he's owning all of his fears all of his depressions and it was inspiring it was definitely inspiring and definitely uh, made me as a friend to him just be like this guy this guy my gosh this guy uh, so very very happy about that and uh some personal news before we uh, before i send you off to that interview so i'm recording this interview or recording this intro i should say on uh, january 20th and on this day we have a new president so prior to this year 
I've uh, spent with this job I currently have, I never really thought about politics. I never really, you know, when it came to voting, I was like, just give me a pamphlet, give me a book, or give me a voter ballot, and give me a pamphlet to read, and I'll, I'll figure it out. But during this year at this job I currently have, where politics is talked about so much, I couldn't help but check it out. I couldn't help but keep an eye on, see what's going on. And I watched the first presidential, I guess this would be the second, but my first presidential debate. And wow, that was wow, wow. Uh, I get why uh, he, you know, former President Trump, which is going to be weird to say, uh, you know, I, I get why everyone was saying such negative things about him. I'm all on board with them as well because it was very hard to watch because of him. And you know, I'm not, I don't try not to bring too much of my political views into this, but just as a normal person, when it comes to having a conversation, I don't like when people interrupt each other or talk over each other. You know, an example is like Bill O'Reilly. I've seen that a few times in high school, and I was just like, I, oh, it, it's like a dagger kind of twisting slowly. <laughs> so, um, you know, it's it's a it's gonna be fun. It's gonna be I think it's gonna be a great four years, and I think it's gonna you know be on the upswing. Um, granted, there are people that are gonna be have different views, and I, I totally agree with that. I'm I'm totally open to hearing them. Um, I just don't know how much of a fight I can put into that conversation because again, I'm I feel like I'm just on that beginner level when it comes to politics, but I'm at least getting there. I'm at least trying. So there's that, uh, and also. On January 19th is a very special day as well as it is my it was I keep saying it is it, it was my mother's birthday so uh, she is an avid uh, listener or watcher of my show and I'm always gonna be so grateful and so thankful for her support so if uh, you are watching or listening to this one mom I love you thank you so much for helping me become the the man I am today uh, so all right so I had to get those two two things, two announcements out there to everyone. Um, and I have to retract, retract what I said in my intro for Alana Rich's episode. As I mentioned that, I'm gonna post the uh, top 10 mock draft for the NFL. Um, and I was like, kind of on the fence about it because once I got to figure out what I think the order or what I think, uh, who's gonna, who I think is going to be drafted in those slots, you know, it was getting close to the playoffs or just the playoff round was finishing. And I was like, you know, I want to know exactly what the order is going to be. Granted, trades can happen, but I want to know exactly what that order is going to be before I send it out to the public. So once the final, once the clock on the Super Bowl hits zero and it's officially done, then I will release my first mock draft. Uh, it's just easier that way where I don't have to put in much guesswork. And... So I, I currently, I believe, up to pick number 23 is, is uh, cemented. Um, so, you know, it's almost there. And we have about two weeks of football left as we got uh, the title game and then we have the championship. Um, so it's, it's, just, it's just fun for me to, you know, I love the NFL. People are going to say otherwise uh, for numerous reasons, but I love the NFL. It's, it's so much fun. And... Uh, I also realized that I missed a few movies when I did my DC animated movie review series and those I'm, I'm waiting a little bit just to make sure I, I do all my all my homework and make sure I don't miss anything else. Uh, so keep an eye out for that and I know I say keep an eye out but you're probably thinking how do I keep an eye out? How do I keep in the loop as far as 
what I post and my episode release announcements. You can follow KC Media on both Instagram and Twitter under KC Media 13. And then on Facebook, go to Conlu K Media. Uh, you know, I made the Facebook one first, KC Media was taken, so I had to swap around the uh, order of it. But it'll still have the same content. Uh, check it out, follow and uh, subscribe and do all those fun things because you know I, I, I love to know who's actually who, who's the fans. I love to know the fans. I love to have conversations with them. And if you're a fan and you want to become a guest on my show, email me or message me on social media. Uh, I'd love to hear from you and I'd love to get you scheduled. So uh, without further ado, I don't believe there's anything else I have to uh, catch you guys up on, but however you are listening to this episode uh, through whatever platform you prefer, or if you're watching it on YouTube, I hope you enjoy my chat with August Jefferson. Well, folks, uh, uh, for people that are just joining or have, you know, started this episode, there there is a degree right over my shoulder from the University of Oregon. I wouldn't have that degree because I struggled in Spanish. And this man, my guest today, August Jefferson, <laughs> was the gentleman that helped me get through that struggling hump that is learning a second language. So, August, how are you doing today? I'm doing fantastic, man. How are you doing? Oh, you know, it's... Uh, well, we're at the time of this recording, we're about 17 days into 2021, and you know, some, some you know, still some downs, but ups mm. are definitely higher so far. But you know, we're we're here, we're here, here, you're, you're here for your first podcast episode. I'm I'm very happy and honored to have you on. I'm happy to be here, man. This is my first time doing anything like this, so I'm very uh very proud. Yeah. <laughs> thanks. Thanks. You know, I, I work hard to, <laughs> but seriously, though, it's, it's nice to, you know, to, cause you and I, we've, we worked fairly closely in college. And then afterwards we, we kind of part ways as I moved up to Portland, you finished up schooling. How was, uh, you know, that process of graduation? Oh, wait, you graduated and you were okay. Cause you didn't have to deal with COVID. Right. I didn't graduate in 2018. So it was two right. years before the madness happened. Just how does it feel to say that you are a University of Oregon graduate? It's still like, it's like a cloud. It's like a heaven second. It's a, it's a heavenly feeling. I'm like, I'm an, right. I'm an alumni. It's, a, it's, it's definitely a weird feeling because I still have friends who are in University of Oregon. So I'm like still contacted them like, oh, like I'm not there no more. Like I'm not a part of uh, the school grounds. I'm, 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 an, I'm a big boy now. I'm, yeah. I'm an adult. So it's a weird feeling being an alumni. But it's it's a great feeling, especially having all my family being there for my graduation. So it was, it was a great feeling for me. Yeah. Okay. So I can't remember what did you end up graduating with. Like, what was your degree? Uh, I got two degrees. Ooh. I got English, and I did graduate with Spanish. So I, th I think I learned my calling after helping you out. 
my my brother also got two degrees i only got the one journalism uh so he got two and then every so often he always like hovers it over my head he's like hey you know who's the smartest conlet of this whole family me because i have two degrees i'm like wow <laughs> wow I, I feel like such a dick every time i'm like i have two degrees i'm like oh this sounds so pretentious so- <laughs> but you're able to you know it seems like what were you thinking when you were about to head towards graduation and like, okay, I got these two degrees. Did you have like a dream job that you're thinking you can get? Uh, dream job was really just the music, but I knew I was very far away from making any type of money from it. But I guess the closest thing to a dream job would be like some type of, I want to say journalism because that's what you do, but some type of <laughs> music writing to at least get me into the business and close it up to other people like hey i can write an article for you and then here's also a fire song that i made hey a little package deal a little 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 double whammy double whammy well (laughs) you uh, i know there was some i I took one class it was uh i think history of rap i took it during a summer course that that showed my eyes to a lot of you know the history behind it and then the different stages it went through and i remember when we talked about like we talked about crunk music with little john it was uh, it was fun actually i was like man there's a lot of history here it's uh also different than anything i thought i'd ever take as a student yeah i'd assume so uh, i remember my freshman year there was a uh, you remember figs it sounds familiar it, yeah so like I, to those watching a fig group is basically like a group that you're assigned to or you choose once you become a freshman i think it's like a freshman intern whatever it is and you can join like English, like depending on what your major is, you get assigned one. And there was one for hip hop. And that was my biggest regret not taking it. Cause I'm like, oh, I'm just gonna blaze through college. So I'm gonna take the English one. Yeah. I should the hip hop one. Uh, well, you know, there's always you can go for a master's. Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think I'm done with school, sir. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I know a few people that went back to master's degree, like they're about my age. And I was just like, Good luck to you. You know, I, I, I did my time. I'm ready to move on. <laughs> it's not like it was a prison, sir. <laughs> I mean, it, it did feel like prison at times, right? You know, it's just we, ha- we have strict times where we had to be in a certain place. And then that's where we lived next to the inmates. We had a, a war <laughs> over us. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. But, you know, actually, before we started recording, we talked about our uh, our fun times in Eugene and, you know, the things we missed, the elements of it. Is there anything that you kind of, other than the you know decision to go for the English versus the, you know, the rap history, is there anything else that you kind of regretted that still sticks with you today as far as your time at the University of Oregon? Uh, I would say not getting involved enough my freshman year because every single one of my dorm mates was super involved. We were like a highly either like into frats or into like extracurriculars and i was like hey y'all just want to watch movies and play games like that was that was my role freshman year i wish i would have got more i wish i would have been more social my freshman year that's probably my biggest regret because near the end i'm like oh this is what i was missing out everybody parties the life this is the college life oh freshman year i'm like yeah i'm gonna play smash bros you might want to play smash bros real quick <laughs> yeah, well i mean well, I mean, there, there, there are groups that play, you know, video games together. Like, I think, like, what maybe they have, oh god, electronic sports clubs. That's becoming a thing now. Yeah, that, I remember. I think junior year there was one in uh, Global Scholars 
like GCH, GSH. But I didn't want to be a part of that. I was already, <laughs> already found my crew at that point. So I'm like, ah, I'm already established. Yeah, yeah. You're like, this. it's more of a fun thing. But when you start joining a club and it becomes like the main focal point, you're like, I'm okay. I'm all right. Casual. I don't want to be hardcore with this. <laughs> But you did able, you were able to join a club called the BMA Black Male Alliance. Tell me about that club and what, what kind of, what, what is the, I don't know, mission statement or what was their kind of goal with uh, having that? All right. So uh, our MO was basically wanted to be a coalition of black men on campus who furthered and developed other black men, uh, put them in positions to succeed. So we were partnered with the Black Student Union. It was, there's also other coalitions like the Black Student Union. We had BWA, which is Black Women of Achievement, which is kind of the, the woman counterpart of that. And then there was an even bigger coalition of like the biggest and best of both or all three, which became the Black Student Task Force. So our biggest thing that we want to do was like develop Black males at University of Oregon because we had such a low rate, like uh what's the word i'm looking for uh well, people transfer rate transfer rate for black males from the university of oregon was super high it took us twice as long to get degrees than any other group on campus and we just wanted to amend that to yeah. want to see like, like us succeed when you found out about all those stats or just read about that in the descriptions what was your first thought uh it's gonna sound messed up my first thought was like this is pitiful <laughs> we can do better i'm saying we can do better uh i remember i joined it sophomore year of college and i was very much looking for leadership roles i'm like i can do this like i want to be that's when i was like i'm gonna start being more social mm-hmm. and once i found all those stats i'm like i kind of got impassioned i got passionate about it i'm like this is what I want to do. This is like, maybe this is why I've been put on this earth for is to help other people who are like me. So I've really went all in on it. There you go. And then when you graduated senior year, what kind of growth did that club make in your time there? Uh, in terms of our individual club, we were able to go to OSP, which is Oregon State Penitentiary, and read and like discuss with inmates there, which is probably my my favorite thing that we did. Uh, we held socials for other black students. We definitely, I feel we increased retention in terms of black students. And we definitely just kind of made from our membership, it seemed like BMA was a home and a hub for like black students or at least black men. Cause every time we come in, it's kind of like a therapy session where like we would get things off our chest that was each person was struggling with. We had homework homework hours but we would help others with homework we would just it was kind of like a home base for yeah. young black and that's gotta be nice to have because you know when you see because you, you oregon in general is you know not a strong representation of african-americans blacks because it's very whitewashed you know just going to like portland it's you know you don't see a whole lot and when you do see them you get you get so easily confused for an athlete, you know, like a, a football player, yep. basketball player, baseball player. Baseball? Is there? Yeah, we're, we're baseball. Yeah, baseball? It's, it's, okay. I, yeah. Trying, I, I never watched much baseball at University of Oregon, so I, so I was like, I, I don't People know who's Don't feel bad about it. <laughs> uh, so was that a talking point about, you know, that kind of 
easy confusion or was that something you guys kind of just tabled? Well, that, yeah, it, was, it was basically every time we had a new member, that was the first thing that they got off their chest was, hey, so everybody just thinks I'm an athlete and just kind of disregards me as a person. Like, I go to a party, like, oh, what sport do you play if I'm walking down the street? Oh, he must be quarterback, blah, 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 blah. Like, it's very, for what University of Oregon is, it's kind of deceiving in which you think that, oh, there's going to be a lot of Black students here. We see them plastered across uh platforms we see them in the pamphlets when you get there we see the huge stadiums the track team the football team you think that there'd be kind of a hub for black people but once you get there you realize that we're like 1.8 percent of the entire population 1.8 percent of the entire state population and just kind of left their thing and damn i got finessed and everywhere you go people look at you kind of weird because if you don't play sports what are you doing here it's kind of the general assumption for black students black male students yeah, it's, you know, because growing up, just, you know, because I'm a big NFL fan and just growing up, you see just a minority of, of whites in the league and then, but they are in pretty high praise uh, positions, so like quarterback uh, ownerships yeah. or maybe coaches or whatnot. But, you know, that shift is starting to change. But I just remember, you know, when, when I first, you know, like, for example, when I first met you, granted, I'm going to apologize because that's what I thought. You are a bigger human being than I am. So I'm like, this guy must be blocking for Marcus Mariota or something like that. So, but you know, once I got to know you, once I figure out, you know, you know, you don't do sports, it's like you get over it because there's more to people than, you know, what right. you first see. The outside dog. Yeah. It, it's, it's easy confusion, especially for someone like me, because I actually did play football, not for the university, but it's just, it's, it's a weird thing to happen. Like every time you come across somebody, they ask you if you play sports. And it's kind of like, I'm more than just my body. I'm more than a piece of meat. Yeah. Like, <laughs> <laughs> get education. yeah. Yeah. And then when it came to, you know, your, your music scene in, you know, the, your body image, you do see a lot of, you know, rappers that are like, let's say 50 cent. He has a six pack, all these other mm -hmm. rappers, six pack. When you were kind of working yourself into that scene, were you just like, do I need a six pack? Or am I, what were you thinking? Uh, that's definitely a point of contention for me because I've always wanted six pack, but I've always been like a big dude in my entire life. So uh, I guess I would say I looked up to Biggie and like Big Pun, Big L, well, Big L's small, but just like big rappers to like really get that confidence because I guess the music scene is just like any scene in entertainment. Like if you have sex appeal, then you're always going to, there's always gonna be something to fall back on, even if your music's not the greatest. And you could really just pop based off being an attractive dude. So I was like, hmm, I went left, not saying that I'm not attractive because I'm big sexy, but it was more so let me focus on the craft since I don't have the body yet. Yeah. Yet. 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 There you go, man. Yeah, because when I listen to your stuff on Spotify, iTunes, I, I don't use Apple Music, but uh, there, there were a lot more things on YouTube, obviously, probably for the time because Spotify just recently got big. But right. you don't see your face. We don't see what you look like. And you just hear your voice. You hear the lyrics. You hear the beat. And it's it definitely it, it, it can go up there in contention with some of those other the big the big people, the big the big rappers out there, just because it is. I don't know why, but like when I was listening to it, I, I thought of Kid Cudi. <laughs> I was like, oh, kind of his early my, stuff. That's, that's, that's actually pretty pretty cool that you heard him in my voice. 
he's definitely one of my influences when I was making music. So yeah. Good on you. Oh, thanks, man. It's headphones is pretty sharp. So <laughs> did you go to his concert when he was in Eugene? Yeah, and that was actually my first concert ever. Really? It was freshman year. Uh, I lived in Hamilton, so it was right there. It's close walk. And I was like, this is what I want to do. Seeing him, I think he had a King Chip was his opening act. And yep. there's one more person local. I forget the dude who was local, but he was good. Mm-hmm. And like, I had never performed my music before in person, but seeing like Kid Cudi on the stage and how he was like, remember how it said it was kind of like comedic because he would just stop in between songs and like tell jokes. I'm like, I can do that. Yeah. It further invigorated me to like, this is what I want to do in life. Yeah. And then did you watch any other, uh, you know, they have those live performances you see on YouTube for like, let's say Kid Cudi or any other rapper mm-hmm. just because concerts are not a thing right now. So you can get a little nostalgia and watch a, a former live concert. Do you take notes when you do that? Or are you just kind of taking mental notes as far as how you can set yourself up for when you take the stage? Uh, I guess I take mental notes and it's not so much like, oh, he crosses his arm at two seconds. Let me cross my arm and do that. Or like how he did Drake does the little hand thing. It's more so like, how do they command the stage at what part of the song? Cause I'm rap. When I go to a concert, I like to imagine that it's me on there. So I'm rapping my ass off in the back. <laughs> I'm, so I just kind of like look at them and wonder like where they take breaths at, how do they have like, that stage presence, that control, how do they not like pass the fuck out if they're rapping a long time and don't take a breath? So I'm like examining them and then applying that to myself. I'm not Mm -hmm. notepad, it's more so like, I guess somebody watching Ken Griffey Jr. swing Mm -hmm. and that to a certain extent, but not to the extent of drawing it all out, you know? it's good that you're you know it's a second form of learning because i know when i play football and i was on the sideline they're like you take mental reps because that's how you get better when we need you to step in in case xyz gets hurt or why not so uh i've i did that at first when before we started i told you i'm gonna i'm gonna write notes down i i tried that i tried that in my first couple interviews i was like i'm gonna try to remember everything i'll take mental notes go back to it and then i realized my brain's not that sharp anymore so it's, <laughs> I, I had to start writing stuff down. So I mean, you gotta keep your brain sharp by remembering those things. Yes, yeah, there's definitely muscle memory in the memory game in total. Cause sometimes you get lost in the sauce, and like you're at a concert, and you just want to enjoy yourself rather than make it a competitive sport that it kind of is. Yeah, and then as far as in the maybe LA or maybe some of Eugene underground rap scene, did you make any kind of connections there and then kind of collaborate oh, with them how to like improve your game? One thousand percent. So going back to my point about joining that hip hop fig, almost everybody that I knew in the underground scene in Eugene was in that fig, and I slowly became really good friends with all of them, especially Smythe. The ill equips, Brax. I know I'm missing on people, but just a lot of people who have bubbled up from the scene. And funny enough, they all came from, or at least the majority came from the same dorm that I was in. They came from Hamilton. Really? So, like, you know, the group Spiller uh, that played in Willamette, they were from Spiller, which is right across from my dorm. I could see them. I've heard them in the, <laughs> the Hamilton basement playing when I was recording. Smythe was also 
and Speller. Uh, yeah, a lot of the, the music scene, uh, damn, what's his name? He was the leader of the fig. I can't remember his name. Desmond, Desmond Harvey is one of the GOATs, the UO Mike program, which is founded by people in the music scene. Like I definitely made great connections out there. Majority of my fan base is out there in Eugene. So I have to make a trip soon. So I might stop by. There you go. But yeah, it, the game's all about connections and who you know and just making friends because sometimes it's just about having fun, seeing what you can make. Yeah. Yeah. And what my my previous guest, she was she's a singer also. So she has mm-hmm. that uh, kind of idea of the music industry. She said that when it comes to collaboration, because her husband is also a singer, so they kind of, you know, intersect that way. Oh. You know, he does make the song with her in mind to like uh, to sing the part. She, he makes a song and then he asks her like, hey, what do you think about this? This is this. Have you thought about doing any kind of collaborations uh, with any of your, the undergrounders? Uh, 1000%. I definitely, well, with my first mixtape, I did a lot of collaborations with Itai, who's my producer now, produces when, and it's kind of big time. Uh, in LA, it's kind of hard because everybody's Hollywood, yeah. but uh, I definitely want to get into that stage where I can just go to the studio and just create something in terms of starting scratch. Because my typical process is I get a beat, and then I internalize it, sit on it, and then write. Mm. But now I kind of want to be a part of that process, that beat making process to be like, hey, this is kind of what the vibe of the song or the idea, the concept that I have in my mind is. Let's see if we can do something with that concept, both in terms of the beat and in terms of the lyrics to make something wholly original. Yeah. And so talk about the process or what was the kind of inspiration when he came up with the song is it iscarito the one that was released in september 11th 2020 it's scary sorry i was trying to yeah. announce every single word <laughs> no it's, it's fine because sometimes you know that's, that's a spanish thing you're still thinking at a it, spanish class god it's stuck in my brain forever <laughs> Keone Chats is brought to you by Vibes Training. Dylan Vibes is a good friend of the show and he started his fitness business and with COVID occurring and having people resort to new ways of getting an exercise in or finding ways to get to your physical goals that you set for yourself, Dylan has created an app that you can access by going to vibestraining.com. The blue button says accept your invite. Once you click on that, you will be prompted to the sign up page. And once you are an official member of Vibes Training, you'll have access to a community that you can share your achievements with. You can have questions be answered through. And it's just nice to know that you're not alone in trying to navigate through this fitness world. So outside of that, you also have a page that you can track all your progress in. And that is probably the biggest thing, trying to figure out how you went from a to C, and now B was kind of a, a rocky journey. And I know for myself, when it goes to being at the gym, I try to keep track of my reps, my weight, make sure I'm always pushing to get further. But since I'm at the gym by myself, it's kind of hard for me to be motivated. So with this app, you'll have a support system and you'll have a good trainer in Dylan that can help you get to your fitness goals in a very unique and very fun way. He's a very fun dude when it comes to, you know, his passion of exercise and his passion of creating videos and his passion for 
just helping you get to a better you. So once you sign up, you'll also have a depth of workouts that range from five to 60 minutes. And as far as exercise equipment, you can go from having nothing to having maybe like a dumbbell, kettlebell or bands. Uh, so check it out. Go to again, vibestraining.com, hit that blue, accept your invite button, and then get started on your finished journey today. <laughs> uh, so <clears throat> with that song, it was, yeah, what was the process of it? First I got the beat mm. and then the whole process of it or the whole concept was, what if I was like the worst version of myself? And <laughs> it was kind of sabotaging and I won't say self-deprecating, but definitely self-sabotaging to the point where I ruined relationships. So with that song, the whole first verse is, I have a great situation with this girl and whatnot, but there's still that dog inside of me in the back part of my brain is like, I can do whatever I want. So the second verse is me becoming, because the name Iscariot is the last name of Judas the betrayer of Jesus in the Bible. So it, the second verse kind of really becomes like, I'm becoming Judas to the relationship. I'm selling probably the best and the most holy thing that I have for 30 seconds of pleasure. And now how can I face that person? Mm. Is, does that creep, does that, do you speak on personal experience when it, not just, you know, let's say not just that one specific, but like as far as self-sabotage, because mm -hmm. I've kind of, I've also, I went to see a therapist for a while. I've realized like I can get anxiety and get too much in my head. And then next thing you know, I don't act on something. The example is like, I see a cute <clears> girl <throat> at the bar. I'm like, I can go talk to her and then it can go to like X, Y, Z, you know, all the way through the alphabet, or I can not talk to her and then da da da. So it's like, I'm debating, do I go A or B before I even make that first move? So when it comes to self-sabotage, how do you what do you think about when you kind of see yourself starting to do that do you like try to slow yourself down or are you just kind of like i, I can't control the speeding train uh i'm 1000 percent the exact same way i'm an overthinker so like i'll see a cute girl at the bar and then even before approaching i like my brain races a thousand times a minute and i'm like see the future i see a possible relationship do i want that is that too much am i feeling like i'm uh my controlled and then I'll just freeze up. Yeah. But but I would say the best moments I've ever had was like if I ignored that and said fuck it and just went for it and not think. I think the best thing to do is not think in those situations because my anxiety goes through the roof sometimes when approaching like that, or at least in the past, I've definitely gotten better or just general intimate relations, I feel like I self-sabotage a whole lot. And I recently had a, a great conversation with my friend, Chris, where I had a good situation or at least a decent situation. And I just let it crumble. And he kind of broke it down saying that one, I definitely need to talk to a therapist about this, <clears throat> but two, uh, I think people like us, if we're in the same mindset, which I think we are, like we're scared to be loved. And it's, it's a weird thing that like you get the love that you expect. Or uh, we, what's that line from Person Being Wallflower? We, we, uh, we accept oh. the love that we deserve. There it yeah. is. Yeah, yeah. 
you know, we definitely are because I I've noticed that I tend to yeah I jump to from A to Z because like in my last relationship I was like okay this is great we're going along eight months I went to go have Christmas with their parents in California and mm-hmm. I started thinking about marriage because like I could see myself I was like I could see myself with this one for a very long time but the downside was. I didn't do the steps. I didn't talk to her. I didn't ask for permission and, you know, mm. check with her. So I was self-sabotaging myself in that aspect when it comes to relationships because I'm like, maybe this this could be it. Now I'm like trying to think, is this relationship going to hinder my podcasting time? Because if it is, then it's like, no. That's, that's one thing I was very much afraid for in college. I was very fearful of like, if I were to get in a relationship, that would detract me from making music and me just what I want to do with my life. And now I'm going to resent that person. So why would I even bother getting into a relationship with that person? <laughs> or I would be like, this person's going to, uh, like I back definitely early days of college. I was like, my depression is making great art. And if this person makes me happy, that's going to ruin my art. <laughs> so what would I do? Not get with that person because I guess I don't want to be happy. So your anxiety and depression, how long have you been dealing with it? Uh, depression, definitely since the age of seven. Anxiety kind of comes and goes. I would say I don't have too much anxiety, but I, it might be just me overthinking. But depression, I've definitely had since the age of seven because I, I might be the first time I'm talking on air about it. I have a very rare skin disease called HS. So basically what it does, it's, it's my body fighting itself and I get huge, huge boils. Like you ever read the Bible I, as a kid? I, I was going to ask you about your, your religious views because I, I never read the Bible. I was never much of a church mm-hmm. goer because my, my grandma was, I went with her one time when I was a kid with my brother, we had our WWF action figures and we were hey. playing very quietly, but uh, outside of that experience. And I went to, I think one youth group with, uh, while in college, just because of a girl. But um, <laughs> so other than those two experiences, I don't have much when it comes to actual Bible, but when it comes to like storytelling, like let's say this Joker right behind me, you know, in the DC, mm-hmm. like when they bring on the gods, the demons, angels, whatnot, I'm all in. Like Sandman and all them. Yeah. Yeah. I'm all in. Let's, Morningstar. let's go. But go, go on with uh, what you're saying. Sorry. Uh, so the whole point of me bringing the Bible is there's an exodus, like when the Jews are being enslaved by Egyptians. There's uh, <clears throat> one of the plagues is they get boils on their skin. Yes. And another person in the Bible who had that was Job. And I kind of liken myself to them. I kind of liken myself to <clears throat> Job. Jesus. <coughs> Need some go. water? Need some water? Yeah. <laughs> nah, I'm good. But it's more so like I feel like I was very much being punished for things as a young child. Like, God was punishing me for things I did at the age of seven. So that really kind of just fucked me up mentally. So I went to a, a private school. So really has been a big part of my life, but I'm kind of like teetering on what I believe, what I don't believe. I kind of think that there's one central creator and he gave everybody a message and all religions are like a different interpretation of that message. Mm. That's where I'm at right now. But yeah, so with this disease, it really fucked me up mentally. Like it's scarred up my entire body, especially like below the waist. I can hide it, or at least uh, as a child, I can hide it. But once I got to college, it started to shove more and more. So that made me very depressed and suicidal to a certain extent. 
but at this time in my life, I feel much better. Yeah, it's just gotta you know, because I I have eczema, I have all these other skin conditions that I can go into great detail for, but I'm not going to. But you know, it, it's it can shut you off from being intimate with others. You know, you know, when it comes to like, let's mm-hmm. say back to that girl, it you're like, okay, she's showing some interest, but I do have eczema. Well, what would she do if she thinks it's contagious? Blah 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 blah. And then you're just like, mm-hmm. it's 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 not worth it. It's it's just gonna cause more headaches. I mean, granted, I will be happier because I'm with someone, but it's like I. I need to be happy with myself, which I'm also still learning to do. And I'm almost 30. <laughs> no, but it's, it's, it's a hard thing to do because we're, we're affected by the things that we thought or were taught when we were kids. So it's hard to reverse that. Mm. And yeah, because, you know, when in college, I'm sure, you know, there's the Willamette River and there's chances for you to go floating or whatnot. Yeah. When, when those opportunities came up to you, what, what was your thinking? I never went. <laughs> yeah, I, I never floated in the river. I never, I don't think I ever even got into the Willamette. I know everybody was doing it. It might have been insecurity or it might have been, just, I don't want to go in that dirty water, my first thought. <laughs> but yeah, I just never did it. I know that's kind of like a ritual and everybody does it, but I never jumped into the, what's that little, uh, the fountain, Jayqua? I know you're not supposed oh, to. Oh, yeah. That. Yeah. I was never going to do that. I don't think I ever went swimming in Oregon in terms of like bodies of water. I, I yeah, well, I think that part of the Willamette would be not as dirty as if, let's say, you're in the Willamette from Portland area. Because I've been in the Willamette in Portland, <laughs> it's not great. So <laughs> I think if you did get that opportunity to like you know float down the Willamette, it, it's at least cleaner. So that was my defense for Willamette River. Okay, okay, that part, <laughs> but. Yeah, I I've gotten offered like while in college, I got offered twice, and I went both times. And the funny thing is, like, while my eczema is not like super noticeable, I don't know how to swim. So, oh well, that that poses a problem, then, doesn't it? A little bit, a little bit. And I was I was dumb. I was like, I'm just gonna hold for dear life onto the float or the little floaty, and I'm just not gonna fall over. So. I mean, I'm still here. I'm still alive. Still good. Right. You made it. So it all worked out for you. Now, uh, as far as who, who do you talk to when your anxiety is a little high and maybe your depression is kind of kicking in a little stronger than usual? Because, you know, we talked about you know, for your therapist is something maybe down the line. Uh, who do you talk to right now? Uh, my biggest person that I talk to currently is my best friend, Chris. Kind of just kind of go back and forth in terms of how we're feeling, checking in on each other. But back in the day when it was really, really bad, it was my best friend, Troy, who's still my best friend. But back then, I relied on her so heavily. Like, there's, if you can check the call logs and like the text message logs, it's paragraphs on paragraphs of how I'm feeling, how I'm feeling, how I'm feeling. And if, looking back, it's kind of selfish that I just put all that onto another person. And like, I'm not sure if I'm, did the same i'm pretty sure i did but not to the extent of i was laying everything out and now with chris i've learned from that and it's kind of been like a healthy thing like he tells me stuff i tell him in my eye stuff and just kind of feel better about it the woman's name is trey you said troy like it would be troy and then oh okay uh i mean it did she, you know, share with her how she's feeling with you? Because those kinds of things oh, yeah. can be like a two-way road. 
Yeah, it's, it's definitely a two-way road. I just felt very uh, selfish for just like unloading all that onto another person. Like I grew up in a, ve- a household that's like, hold things in, don't let anybody in. So like to open up to somebody like that is kind of like the opposite. And it's antithesis of so hard. It's so hard. Right. Dear like, God, it's, it's so hard. <sighs> Masculinity, man, like it's a killer. <laughs> That's why dudes drop from brain aneurysms like 36 because <laughs> they've been holding all the things since like third grade. <laughs> yeah. And like what the greatest thing from what I learned when I went out to go, went to go see a therapist was that they're unbiased. So with her, it's like, it's good that you're able to unload that, but she's going to be biased to some degree. Yeah. That's the thing. It's like, I'm now being a little picky on who I, I share things with now. So it's like, I there's like two people like I can know I could talk to and then maybe like a handful of people I'm trying to like elevate to that status so it's like because it's nice to mm-hmm. not put it all in one person uh, just diversify that's a financial term <laughs> right <laughs> I, I guess I have a question for you have you in a relationship like treated your girlfriend as a therapist and just unloaded everything on her I am the opposite because I <laughs> want to so let's let's so that girlfriend i had when i left eugene i think he met her maybe once or twice you know her and i broke up a long time ago and that's fine we're all doing our own thing now but i just didn't know how to share i didn't know how to open up i didn't know like because i always had a bad thought in the back of my head going back to the self-sabotage am i good enough is this like mm. is she gonna accept everything i say when it comes to like something difficult or just a conflicting opinion I'm yep. slightly a people pleaser too. So it's same way. I'm the same way. <laughs> Dude, it's, it's, it's so hard. It's so hard. So then for you, uh, have you kind of catered your way of approaching like women? And as far as like thinking about who you could spend some time with down the line, or do you still cling to that same mindset of like, eh, she's hot. Let's rock and roll. Uh, I guess it's a mixture of both because I'm at the point in my life now where I've already kind of had my fun. Like I still, I'm still young, only 24, still, I guess, want to be out in the streets, but I feel like I won't take anyone seriously unless we have a deeper connection. And it's hard because it's hard to open up and it's hard to, I, I don't want to feel trapped or confined. I know I have serious not serious. I feel like I have commitment issues. Yeah. And that's just my own insecurity. But yeah, I'm, I'm definitely both those ways. I'm, I definitely still want to be out here, but also I'm sick of like the games and all the, the bullshit, the nonsense, the whole nine yards is exhausting a lot of the time. Tinder, Hinge, are you using any of those apps? <sighs> I'm on Hinge. I, yeah. I, I've used them all. I've used Tinder. I've used Black, which is like a black dating, looks like a black Tinder. Mm-hmm. I'm on Hinge currently, but I it's it's I hate online dating. Yeah. It's it's the worst <laughs> for me. I hate it. Oh yeah, so I started using Hinge because uh, I want to take a break from Tinder because Tinder was just—it's so hard to get a, a match because obviously so many factors you have to think about. It's like, do they have the same like age range? Mm-hmm. There's a, I watched a whole like documentary about how Tinder's processes, mm-hmm. and basically it's systematically designed to 
it's not designed for men. It's designed for women. Okay. And I don't mean that in like a misogynistic way. I mean that in terms of women are going to get way more likes than men. Mm. Simply on the fact that the system is built for men to go on there and swipe. A girl, all they have to do is make an account and horny dudes are going to come out the woodwork just to- They, they really enter. are. Yeah. But yeah. in like our society, like of course, it's going to be men courting women. And with that being said, like Tinder, all you have to do if you're a woman, at least I assume, I talk to my homegirl about it, you should make an account and figure out which dudes you want to talk to. Guys, we have to go out and just test the waters and hopefully some girl likes his back and hopefully he's not a catfish and hopefully yeah. you know, all those things still factors for women. Oh, it's hope, definitely an easy time. Hopefully for, she's not asking you to follow her OnlyFans account. So it's you know, there's always that. I, I've gotten that. I've gotten uh, <laughs> check out my private Snapchat. I'm like, oh no, no, <laughs> no. Who uses Snapchat anymore? Yeah, on guy. Like nobody. At least I'm used Snapchat like consistently since college. Yeah. Like I, I download it when I'm bored and I can't fall asleep. I'm like, I download like, eh, let's see if uh, anything's happening. No, no, nothing. At Nothing's all. ever happening on Snapchat. Nothing at all. <laughs> oh man so what was that what do you think of hinge i mean i love the idea that i could talk to someone easier like immediately off the bat that's a good opening line so like let's say mm-hmm. you know um i see this girl i most recently i saw this girl say like oh i could find the best underground burger place so it's like oh i can start a conversation based off of that asking something simple like oh where is your best favorite burger place in your area blah blah blah, blah. So, you know, the first time I started using Hinge, I actually, I put one of my, like, you know, I have a prompt and then they have an answer and that's how you can get a conversation going. I put something like, oh, if you could throw a football, then that's going to be the key to my heart or something like that. So this girl responded and then we talked and then I was like, I'm sorry. You know, I was still a little tender as far as like trying to get myself back out there. This is also during covid so it's oh uh, yeah yeah so it's it's rough waters it's it's rough waters so you know we talked for a little bit and then i end up saying like i you know I, I think we'd be better for friends um so i still talk to that woman today you know i still i consider one of my best friends and that's actually the second woman that i have made have become best friends with through a dating app so it's like oh wow if it doesn't work one way it might work another way <laughs> you never know so you're so so with that girl and the girl before have uh was it you that put them in the friend zone i guess it was yeah yeah but i'm very like (laughs) (laughs) thanks man i was over that but i'm not no i'm not but uh yeah no it's they they said that and then i kind of agreed because you know the conversations they would have we would have together it's just kind of it just made sense you know yeah it's hard also to like put them in those zones and always like remember that they're in those zones because you know it's the the male the male mind can can wander can wander quite a bit <laughs> yeah i can okay so you know you seem like someone that wants to oh gosh you, you know you're in the rap scene and then with the rap scene it also garnishes a lot of attention because you know and you were you're on stage for the Willamette Valley Music Festival back in 2018. So your, your last year at the UO. <laughs> what was that experience like, A? And then B, what was the after effects 
of performing on stage as far as like people talking to you and more people surrounding you and trying to get your attention? Uh, the before parts was, I would say slightly nerve wracking in terms of how do I want my performance? What's the song layout? I had a same friend, Chris, and the other friend, the underground friend, Smythe, helped me out. Smythe was actually the DJ. Chris became a hype man for that set. It was more so like nailing everything. So like, even if there's only 10 people in the crowd, I'm rocking it regardless. Yeah, there you go. So that was that was the prep. Uh, the on stage portion kind of felt like a dream because me, I love performing. I love being on stage. I love seeing like people really rock with my stuff and resonate with them. And even if they don't know the lyrics, like I can change the whole vibration of an entire room or an entire EMU green just by performing or how I perform and tell like this. It's some type of like narcissistic control that you can have on stage, which is intoxicating and kind of unnerving, but I love it. <laughs> and I guess the post was, I would say it's rather regular. It was more so another day on campus. The most I would get was like, oh, you're the guy who performed. I'm like, yeah, how you doing? And we just had like a normal conversation. But outside of that, it wasn't like, oh, let me follow you right now. It was, it was cool. I guess kind of another day. I know sometimes when uh, I finish an episode, let's say your episode is finished, I submit it. I, for some reason, just think like the whole social media is going to blow up and be like, oh, shit, already posted a new episode, blah, blah, blah. And then when I get hit with that reality, that's like, oh, only like a handful and maybe one or two are family. So it's like, eh. yep. But what, but I left that impression on them. Has anyone that has come up to you, like, what, what did they say? What has the most impression or what was the long lasting impression they got from your music? Like, was it the beats? Was it the lyrics or was it just your voice? Wh- which one of those do you think kept with fans the most or the longest? In terms of that performance or in terms of like my career overall? I, I would say from that performance, because it's kind of hard to say career overall, but you know, you said people would stop by and say hi to you and said you're the guy that performed. I know yeah. maybe it didn't come up a conversation, but what would you wish is the long lasting effect that your music has on people? Would it be the music, lyrics, or your voice? Uh, okay, I'll break that, I'll dissect that. So sure. in terms of the performance, I would say the, I guess the performance and the energy, because at a concert, you're just, you're kind of just there, unless you already know the lyrics, you're kind of just there for a good time and the energy. Like people don't care what you're saying when you're on stage, as long as it sounds good. It makes them move, makes them feel something. I know the lyrics can help with that, but unless you know who's performing, you kind of don't care what they're saying as long as it slaps. So like, they're like, oh my God, that song was so cool. Like it was more how the song made them feel. Now in terms of, uh, like what the takeaway I want people to have is, I guess is that feeling. I, I would like to have people remember me for my lyrics, for the sounds and whatnot. But if I can like touch somebody and inspire them or just make them feel anything, then I've done my job as a musician. Cause all I can do is send out vibrations and hope someone receives them, you know? Yeah. 
So what was the vibration send out feeling like when you did your music video, Velveeta SSAP <laughs> interlude music video? It had a very interesting concept where it was the expectation versus reality. That one, that one caught me pretty strongly. I was like, ah, oh, that's a, that's a great idea. And you know, that was filmed back in, you know, maybe two years ago, you know, of May, 2019. Right. Yeah, 2019. Seems so yeah. long ago now that we've been trapped inside. <laughs> where, where did the idea to make the video, music video like that, come to play? Uh, the idea was heavily, heavily influenced by uh, 500 Days of Summer. I don't know if you've seen mm. it before, but it's one of my favorite rom-com movies with uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt. And there's a whole scene. It's kind of it's expectations versus reality. So he expects he's that he. Or long story short of the movie. Dated the girl named Summer. He wanted more, she didn't, they broke up. They rekindle a little bit, and this is where the expectation versus reality comes in. He expects to rekindle the relationship and get back to where they used to be, but the reality is she's just not there. Mm -hmm. So my thing is, my interpretation of that scene or my rendition of it was the expectation of meeting up with this girl and having such a great time and like getting to a place where we could be something, but the reality is I got ghosted. <laughs> uh, it's, it is hard to overcome that, you know, you got ghosted, but what was the difficulty when it came to like filming? What was the difficulty between having to do the same action over and over again? It's much, it's <laughs> thing. Uh, I would say it, it's a fun process for me, but the whole thing is like knowing you're being recorded and trying not to act weird. Yeah. Like, you know, there's, it's not a legitimate reaction or you're just overacting or if you're just not like in that moment and you just have to keep doing it again and again and again so you get it right. It's very similar to recording a song because sometimes it's like, you got the, the lyrics right. You basically got the whole thing done, but it just doesn't sound right. It doesn't feel you're like, your cadence doesn't match the passion that the lyrics need. Mm -hmm. So it sounds phony. So the hardest thing is trying not to be phony and trying not to look corny. Like, yeah, unintentionally sounding phony and unintentionally being corny. Like, Sorry, I didn't mean to do it. Let's take it again. Right? <laughs> Run it back. Run it back. Run it back. Uh, and in the beginning of that video, you know, going back to the body image, you actually started, I believe the opening was, you know, you coming out of bed and then you wore what I've seen you wear a bajillion times, your Dodgers baseball jersey, yep. <laughs> but it was unbuttoned. We, we showed, we saw your skin. So how, how do you feel getting that on camera? Uh, it was definitely kind of a statement. That was, that video is actually a sequel to the first video I did called Black. Which I did see that one Where too. It's just, they all kind of meshed together. Mm-hmm shirtless and my skin showing and it's kind of just me like accepting that i'm big that i have these scars and just i'm ready to show it to the world i guess like i can't not be me so might as well be all of me that i could be yeah exactly it's just now i mean scars are cool so <laughs> I, 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 I mean some scars are cool like a little like a little nice scar like oh i got bit by a shark so i got this on my shoulder like <laughs> internal scars or the shit that i have it doesn't seem cool to me <laughs> personally yeah no, I, definitely, I definitely get it because you know, with eczema it's uh it's such a bad stigma of like it is contagious blah 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 it's like no no it's just 
you're going back to again the whole back into your shell because someone's commenting on your your skin and someone that you might have an interest in just hitting that insecurity yeah yeah it's 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 not fun that's not fun especially when that insecurity just is out in the open some people can hide the insecurities and they come up but like when someone looks at it it's like oh like i know you see my insecurity and it's making me insecure that you see that the, so when it comes to Chris and then all the other like close connections you've established, have they they have they seen your insecurities? Have they seen you at your oh, worst? One thousand percent. They've seen me at my lowest, but that's what friends are there for. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I love you, man, because this is a <laughs> conversation where I've knowing getting to know so much about you. A and B. Realizing you pursued a Spanish degree after helping this numbskull uh, make it to class. <laughs> so most recently, you posted some images on your Instagram, and I knew this by actually prior to where you have some anime characters behind you. Where did your, where'd your passion for anime come from? It has always been there uh, <clears throat> since a young child. I've loved anime. The first experience I had with anime was Dragon Ball Z. Yep. It was on Telemundo. Yep. I didn't have Cartoon Network at the time. Me and my brothers just stumbled across it and we we're like, what is this? It's in Spanish. We don't know no lick of Spanish, but we were glued to that TV for two hours. So we're like, oh my God, this is the greatest thing ever. And then eventually, a couple years later, we come home and somehow my parents bought Cartoon Network and Toonami was on. So that was what skyrocketed my love for anime, Inuyasha, Yu Hakusho, Naruto. The list goes on, case closed, stuff like that. So I've just been infatuated with animation, anime, cartoons, all that has been in my blood. But back in those days, it was nerdy to watch that. So I just kind of reeled it in. And now yeah. I'm just like, fuck it. Yeah, let's, let's just shout it to the world. So taking Dragon Ball Z as an example, mm-hmm. what, is it, what is it about that show that really caught on with you? Oh, because it was just a fantasy. Like for me, with my own insecurities and like seeing Goku, somebody who can just overcome every obstacle in his ways, like it was hope for me to be able to do that. And kind of later in life, I kind of realized that it's, it's a very far reach, but the tale, I, I watched, you know, Rizzo from the Wu-Tang Clan, right? Yeah, yeah. He made a whole statement about how the tale of Goku is a tale of black man in America. It's a reach, but it definitely like it resonates on some levels with me. So there's been huge ties with Dragon Ball Z and just like young black kids. I don't know what it is. You can ask this. We're not a monolith, but the majority of like young black kids at least know from my age, know Dragon Ball Z and they might even know it was an anime, but they just enjoyed it because one, people were fighting. Two, people were shouting. Yep. <laughs> and three is just like the power fantasy of just being so powerful, even in a society where you're deemed as a deviant and whatnot, that you can just overcome that is something inspiring. Yeah. I mean, the fight scenes, A, took forever, but they were long. So? They lasted <laughs> in the memories for a lifetime. I, I remember the cell fights. I remember the Frieza fights. I remember mm-hmm. all of them. And Majin Buu, I remember them. Uh, but it was also when they would power up and just start yelling. <laughs> just And then, oh, mm-hmm. God. I remember just 
looking in the mirror, like let's say after football practice, and I'm just like, I'm gonna turn Super Saiyan now, and just start like, yeah, the mirror. And- <laughs> Uh, I'm gonna keep that in this actual video. I'm not cutting that out. That's gonna be out there for. Okay, I'll I'll add on that because even me, I was me and my brothers were like ah, like, <laughs> kids just shouting at each other like we're not transforming. Me and my other best friend. That's how I met my other best friend who turned into my roommate in the third grade. I've known him since we were in kindergarten, but in third grade we had a show and tell, and I brought yeah. my Trunks action figure, and I think he brought his Goku action figure. And we were like, ah, ah, Dragon Ball Z? I like Dragon Ball Z. Oh, are we best friends? And that's how we best friends. Was Trunks your favorite character? Uh, I was a basic bitch, so I love Goku. And I love Goten because he was just like Goku. Yeah. But now that I've grown, I think my favorite characters are Teen Gohan, they turned Super Saiyan 2. Mm-hmm. Trunks for sure. Uh, I still love Goten, man, and Goku. Yeah, I would say probably my favorite characters, Super Saiyan Two, Gohan. You can't, you can't not love, you know, you can't, you cannot love Goku because uh, a, yeah, granted yeah. he's a central character, but b, it's like the fights he gets into, the crap that he gets kicked out of him, and then he still keeps on ticking. <laughs> Jeez, man, yeah, he, he's a he's a thug. He really he's is. A thug. But I'll say. The only time, this couple of times you can hate him. The biggest time that you can hate him is when he's fighting Cell, right? Sure. And Cell's like half beaten, and he throws a sense of being out. It was like, you know what? Beat up my son real quick. Everybody's like, "Are you an idiot? Why would you help this dude out?" <laughs> That's the only time I'm like, "This, he's so dumb." What are you doing, dude? <laughs> like, you want your son to die? That's what you want. Did you, okay? So my brother <laughs> introduced me to Dragon Ball Z because it's been a while, but then mm-hmm. on uh, animate. Maybe it's Funimation. Funimation, yeah, the Dragon Ball Super, mm-hmm. our Dragon Ball. Mm-hmm. Uh, I watched the uh, Trunks and uh, Goku Black saga, and finally saw that. Oh, one. that was a good one. Trunks was annoying me though. Yeah, and that and that one Trunks was annoying, and there's a lot of plot holes. But Dragon Ball Z is full of plot holes, so it's I full. just let it slide. It's 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 all good. It's all good. So. You, you mentioned that Riza from Uten Clan compared Goku with the you know black was it history or just the the black? like the prototypical black experience. Yeah. So 2020 was rough because of not just COVID nineteen and you know the elections, but with the George Floyd murder and. Mm-hmm. I had to ask you because of your experience with the Black Male Alliance and the leadership you showed with wanting to you know help improve the. I guess population of blacks in University of Oregon. I think that's the best way to, to a certain extent. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. How did you feel about it? And then, you know, I, I think, how do you feel about it when it started? Because right now it's not as talked about, but it's still talked about. It's just not strongly. How do you feel about the Black yeah. Lives Matter movement and its progression? Uh, I guess I have mixed feelings about it. I mean, I'm very much for it because for all lives matter, black lives have to matter and black lives do matter and should matter. But I want, I guess I would want more organization, but this, this is from an outside perspective. I don't know the inside information in terms of how they're getting things done, but it seems like this movement could be a tie to anything, but we need like actionable actions, I guess. We need, my biggest thing is we can't have 
we can't use the same tactics that we've used 50, 60, 70 years ago. We need to adapt to the current era and overcome that way. And that sounds so cliche, but I know that marches and whatnot, they definitely help, but I wanna see what happens after the march. Are we getting together and we making laws? Are we making, uh, it's hard to explain. Are we getting together and making change? Like, are we getting together? Uh, I keep saying the same thing. Basically, we know where we wanna be and this is where we're at. What are we doing outside of the march? Cause people can come to the march, do whatever, or let those fake protests come through and just ruin stuff for the actual people who care. What are we doing after the march? Are we getting together and coming up with like laws, or, not to say laws, but a plan where we can take things to legislation and the judicial system, or are we just marching because we want to be a part march. of this moment? Yeah. Yeah. Yes. So I'm, I'm a sports person, you know that. Um, so mm-hmm. what I saw from the, the movement and the, the players speaking out was that A, it was shown all over, you know, uniforms for like NBA and then NFL, they, they couldn't do it to that extent, but they have, you know, Black Lives Matter. They have some of the victims' names on their helmets. So I saw some movement towards, you know, social justice and yeah. showing that kind of support and then you know with the nfl season coming close to the end i guess it's still playoffs right now but you know i saw i'm seeing a lot of minority coaches becoming candidates and then i see a lot of minority personnel is becoming gms so i see as far as from the sports end of it all i'm seeing the change starting to to kick in which is it's like whoa because Robert's, you know, the Jets just hired the first ever Muslim head coach. So yeah, they just did. Like, what? That's awesome. And then, you know, we're trying to, I think a couple or more uh, coordinators are being considered, but they're in the playoffs, so they can't make anything official yet. But, you know, the, the change is happening, at least on the sports end. Again, so as far as the real life end, we'll see. But I'm definitely glad how the sports dudes stepped up. I would definitely like to see more of it. I would like, I, I think a lot of, and this is a big thing that we dealt with at Oregon, that a lot of power is handed to people in entertainment and in sports. Because a lot of the times, like, if the sports team didn't stop doing something, then if the sports team were to, like, league up with a BSU or whatnot and decide to stop playing, everything would stop. Mm-hmm. But it's hard to ask, I guess it's hard to ask that for somebody who's there on scholarship, like they can have that potentially taken away, but it's more so like the bigger cause, like of what you want to do. And I, I wish we could see more of that, especially in terms of the NBA. I know that they canceled some games because, or the players walked out of games. I want, I want to see more of that. I want to see more passion from them. I'm not saying that I don't understand the position they're in, but they need to understand that the power that they hold and I'd like to see them use that more. And it's definitely showing, as you said. Yeah. Now, how did you feel, you know, to bring a little bit of politics, just just a little bit of politics into this. How did you feel when Trump is officially got, uh, I guess, or, or Biden officially won the elections and then uh, Trump is now, you know, doing whatever he's doing as far as, I know the inauguration is this upcoming week, but how did, how did you feel? How did your community feel when it was made official that biden is the next our next head our next guy up it felt good but it's also 
we need yeah. I need more than just an election when I need to see actionable change within the community within policy. Like I love that Joe got in. I love that Trump is out. God, I love that Trump is out. But this is the first step. Like I said with the marching, this is the first step. Now we need to do X, Y, Z, one, two, three, four, five, six for there to for me to be truly happy. Mm-hmm. Now, is there I don't know if you answer this now. Is there something you wish you could see happen that and it's kind of hard because I'm still trying to figure out all the laws and all these regulations because I prior to this job I had I had I was pretty much oblivious to politics I'll openly admit that I was just like just give me a sheet of who to vote for and give me like a pamphlet to read I'll do it as far mm-hmm. as I don't really want to pay attention to it so is there something you want to see happen that you know within this next like four years of Biden's reign that would make you feel like a step is being taken uh, I would like to see the redistribution and defunding of police. And by defunding, I'm not saying just take away all their money. I'm saying to take away some of their money and reallocate that into programs so which police are the catch-all for any bad situation. At times, there's people with mental disabilities that end up being killed or end up killing people, and the police are called, and the situation is kind of made worse, when the situation could have been prevented if we had those systems in place within the community to prevent them from causing harm to themselves or other people. I want to see more money being funded towards education. I would like to see, uh, what else would I like? Um, the my number one thing is just more funding for systems within the community. Yeah. I was going to make a joke, but I was like, I'm, Nope. <laughs> no, no, no. Go, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Well, you're like, what else do I want? It's like PS5. So. Oh yeah, I would love PS5. <laughs> got, oh yeah. Uh, I know you said uh, college loan forgiveness and all that. I would love, personally, yeah. love for that. Because someone who's out of state paying college loans to a University of Oregon kind of need that. Or else I'm just gonna be in debt for the rest of my life. Yeah, yeah. I remember one day I decided to just randomly look up how much, how long it would take, like years wise, for me to officially pay off because I have one student loan left. It, it, you know, the other ones were small, so they're easy to take care of. But the long, big one, I was like, how long would this take me if I actually like paid it off and was consistent about it? I would be. So I'm, I'm 29 now. I think I would be about 50 to 60 until it's all officially paid off. I was like. Great. <laughs> oh, <Impressive>. <laughs> uh, you have like in-state tuition yeah out of state in-state in-state so yeah it's great i mean not great but it's i feel like it's more manageable than out of state because how not not to pocket watch but how much debt are you in terms of student loans uh so when i left the university of oregon i think i was close to 60 uh and then at this current moment i am about 50 so i paid off about 10 from in oh. 40 ish years or something like that yeah it's a, a pain in the ass because that could have gone towards groceries so it's like towards <laughs> anything else but uh, mine is about double yours Ooh. yeah <laughs> so car wash right you can help you out kickstarter you know uh car washes some uh what's that what's it called uh on saturdays when they give stuff away 
Uh, like at a oh, like yard sales. Yard sales. Okay, I was like Saturdays. What's going on Saturdays? But yeah, yard sales. Yeah. I mean, you don't need that TV, right? I'll get rid of it. I can sign up a Girl Scout, start selling cookies. I don't know. All right, August. So I like to end my interviews by asking two hypothetical questions from this pack of 170. Uh, you're only in two, so but if you want the whole Hundi Hundo 70, then I can uh, have another episode and we can just go over the whole thing. So for you, I thought about this one because since you're an anime fan, what cute cartoon character would be absolutely terrifying if it existed in the real world? What cute cartoon character would be terrifying? Hmm. You have so many options. I have so many options. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I guess the first two <clears throat> that come to mind would be Jack Jack from The Incredibles would be absolutely terrifying. And then I don't know if you ever watched One Piece, but oh, Tony no. Tony Chop, the little reindeer dude, he's adorable, but he has a monster mode that he can turn into, which is terrifying. Ooh. I, yeah. I I was thinking Chi Chi from Dragon Ball Z because when she gets in full <laughs> rage mode, it's like, ooh. <laughs> yeah, but that's I feel Chi Chi's very similar to my own mother, so it's like, oh, another Tuesday. Yeah, yeah, you're good, you're good, you're good. And then uh, I started watching One Punch Man, and oh, yeah. I think Genos would have been very terrifying to see in real life. I mean, he could he's probably a cute kid. I don't know. He's, he's, I feel like Genos would be probably chill. I mean, yeah. Cause he he he's actually I mean he look, he might look ugly in terms of robotic parts, but I think the combination of like I'm trying to imagine if I see that in like a real action live movie where it's a robotic man with a kid face, it's like ooh. like a Terminator esque. Yep, yep, yep. I think more of like fear of that you have no emotions would be the reason why I'm like oh Jesus Christ. <laughs> 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 all right so the second one what would be great and what would be terrible about all humans having translucent skin and muscles so that you could see all the organs working all right <laughs> <laughs> run, run that back one more okay. time all right what would be great and what would be terrible if all humans have translucent skin and muscles so that you could see all of the organs? So all you see is organs. Okay. What's, uh, what's great about it? All right. One, I guess one great thing would be about it is, uh, but this, all right. In a perfect world, we could see it all at the same time. You could see when someone's like lying because their heartbeat would move like faster. Or like you'll see like a change in the heartbeat. Yeah. But that's assuming if their clothes like don't cover it up. I guess the worst thing would just be seeing it all. Like that would be <laughs> terrible to see. Like dog, I'm gonna get X-rated here. But like, imagine just being able to see that your homie's horny or that your girl's <laughs> right there. Like that's. Ugh. <laughs> you know, the blood move around to different parts. Like I don't want to see none of that. Yeah, yeah. Oh, good. I, I would agree with you. That's probably the terrible part, just being able to visually see it all. But yeah, to be able to a just see how all organs work when it, you know you're eating, or maybe you're 
you know, lying on a test or whatnot, or just seeing the brain, how it kind of processes thoughts. I think it'll be pretty cool. And, uh, it, oh. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> Worth it. I know that all that's worth. It. Like, <laughs> you can see when little Timmy's about to shit himself. <laughs> you can see the stomach moving. Oh, like, it, it might not be worth. It. Well, I mean, like for babies, like you see, like someone. Uh, I guess it'll be cool for babies because with them, I guess, like you see the stomach, like. Gurgling, like, oh, they're probably having an indigestion. That's why they're crying. Yeah. But for like grown adults, I don't want to see that because, like, that would mean that people's eyes are always open, even when they close their eyelids. So they're just like perpetually staring at everything. It's terrifying. Oh. Oh. It's a terrifying. You're, you're welcome. I give that thought to you. <laughs> thank, thank you for this, uh, this moral dilemma I'm having in my mind now. This little, <laughs> I ain't going through uh august jefferson where can the people find you on social media and where can they find your music you can find me at notorious aug on instagram twitter soundcloud you can find me at august period on apple music and spotify you can find me at august jefferson on youtube you can also find my business at private privatebeachentertainment.com we have instagram handle private x beach on instagram and yeah we just finalized the forms on that so we're official loc now hey okay so that's what that meant on the top of you private beach that was something on there i was like what the heck is mm-hmm. that you want to talk quickly about your private beach business uh yeah i'll try to keep it within 30 seconds so private beach all the time is, in the world <laughs> private beach is just the brainchild of me my friend drew and chris and it was originally meant to keep me, my friend Drew and Brendan together and like make music and stuff like that. But now it's evolved to being a platform for black creators within LA and Portland, because Chris is in Portland. But we want to branch out to the world and it's kind of a music label slash clothing line. And we want to, again, be a platform for black creatives. So right now we have a couple of artists underneath our wing that we're kind of grooming, trying to get ready for the new year, especially when the COVID vaccine gets out and we can finally go outside. We have a clothing line that's getting ready to drop. We just need some things and then we'll have it all ready to go. And yeah. Well, there you go, guys. Just uh, I'll put the description or I'll put the link to Black Private Beach into the description below. That way people can easily access it. But other than that, man, I will uh, obviously give the shout out to everywhere to follow your music on the socials right. but yeah, yeah man this is this is so much fun right oh it's not great <laughs> catching up with you oh god this is incredible <laughs> thank you so much for sticking around until the end of the episode if you like what you heard or watched and would like more episodes from keone chats the show can be found on all major podcast platforms under keone chats a video version is available on youtube under keone chats as well So like and subscribe on those platforms to keep in the loop as far as the next episode released. But if you would like to be a guest, go ahead and email me your story at kcmedia13 at yahoo.com and I'd love to get you scheduled. To keep up to date with all of the episode release announcements on social media, 
the uh, KC Media brand can be found on Instagram and Twitter under KC Media 13. And then on Facebook, it can be found under Conluke Media. So until the next episode, everyone, please take care.